I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there. My name is Samir, and this is Viewer Experience, the mobile syrup podcast where tech meets pop culture. Viewer experience has been on hiatus for quite some time, so consider this a special New Year's episode. Unlike the usual end-of-year fair you may have come across recently, this episode of Viewer Experience isn't a look back or look ahead at film. Instead, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup Managing Editor Patrick O'Rourke, as well as Mobile Syrup Staff Reporter Shruti Shakar, to discuss Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Relax, don't do it when you want to go to Patrick, Shruti, we're recording this episode on January 2nd, 2019, one day into this brand new year, or I suppose two days. How are we feeling today? I'm good, but I'd like to go back to the previous year and change all of my decisions so that I can redo my life. Well, that sounds like something we'd all like to do. Or is it, Shruti? How are um, you feeling? You know what? I don't want to do that because I like the mistakes I've made because it's made me grow into a better person, Patrick. They make you who you are. <laughs> all of your choices and mistakes. Look yes, at this introspection. Exactly. <laughs> Look at all of this introspection. My goodness. I still don't know what day it is, though. I'm in that. I'm still in that. Like, what day are we? Like, what? What actually? Well, Today's actually, Wednesday, what right? Is Today's it Wednesday? Wednesday? Yes. Okay. I, did, I Wednesday. didn't even know that. I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> I thought it was Thursday too. <laughs> well, everyone, I suppose, is looking forward to the weekend. Later on the show, you will hear an interview recorded between me and Mike McDonald. Mike is an author as well as a former news editor and reporter for Post Media and a former correspondent for The Onion. Along with Julie Gagnon, Mike is the co-author of the Choose Your Own Misery series, a collection of choose-your-own-adventure novels dedicated to forcing readers to examine the simple miseries they go through every day, including life as an office drone, as well as surviving the holidays with friends and family, and even trying to date in the modern world. Michael shed some insight into what it's like putting together a choose-your-own story. But first, Patrick Schrute and I are going to speak a little bit about Black Mirror and Bandersnatch more specifically. Here are some credits. Bandersnatch was directed by David Slade, with a script written by Charlie Brooker. The film's music was composed by Brian Ritzel, while Aaron Morton and Jake Polonsky were responsible for the film's cinematography. The whole thing was edited together by Tony Kearns. Of course, the Black Mirror series was created by none other than Charlie Brooker. Black Mirror Bandersnatch is an interactive film that tells the story of a wannabe video game developer played by Finn Whitehead, who only has a few months to finish work on a choose-your-own-adventure game based on a choose-your-own-adventure novel called Bandersnatch. Over the course of the film's 90-minute runtime, viewers must guide the young programmer's fate by selecting on-screen choices that pop up during increasingly tense plot moments. At first, viewers will simply need to decide what cereal to eat or what music to listen to. Eventually, life and even death all hang in the balance. Now, Shruti, since this is your first time on viewer experience, I thought I'd start off by asking a simple question. How did you feel about Bandersnatch? When I had to start making my first choices, I honestly, like, my mind was blown away i was like this is so cool this is so interesting it reminded me of the rl stein goosebump series when i was a kid where you had to choose your own adventure and it was just so intriguing 
But then, like, my thoughts kind of changed after a while, which I, I guess we can get into a little bit later. But, yeah, initial, very, very initial reaction was just, this is absolutely, you know, changing for the entire online streaming industry. There's going to be so many different variations of this kind of format that's going to come into play, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. So I want to follow up on that, about how your opinion sort of changed later on. So first question is, how many times did you play through Bandersnatch? And that's a difficult question to, to answer, I know, but, but you know, interpret it as you will. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I, I actually don't know how many times I played it. It was, I would say I probably spent... I don't know, maybe like a good few hours, like maybe half a day. So I started watching it around like 8 a.m. Because I know I woke up and I was like, okay, today's the day I have to watch it. So I started around 8 a.m. And then I think I started losing interest by around like 1 p.m., around lunchtime. So I was like playing it even as, as I was eating my lunch. And I was just kind of like, this is just not really for me. Um, I, I like to make my own choices, but... Um, having that experience in a movie setting was kind of awkward and then it was it almost became frustrating to some extent where I was like I just I just want to go and watch the movie I just want to know what happens I don't want to deal with having to please some of the uh, characters in the show which again I know we'll probably talk about that later but um, it was just it was just really frustrating and irritating for me and I just wanted to sit there and enjoy the movie for what it was so I think that's what happened so at you. first you were impressed with the choose your own style but eventually you just settled on well this is a movie it's supposed to be a movie and i i prefer the movie aspects of it more than the game aspects yeah and i i kind of was taken away it, it threw me off with the whole black mirror aspect of everything because black mirror in itself is such a, a unique type of tv show and i kind of forgot that i was watching a black mirror movie i was like this is just a regular movie to some extent. I might get slack for saying that, but that's sort of how I felt. I didn't feel like this was a Black Mirror experience. I felt like this was just a regular, cool, interactive experience, but it didn't have those Black Mirror elements. I mean, if you wanted to really deconstruct the movie, yeah, there absolutely were those sci-fi moments, those dystopian sort of moments that Black Mirror really does instill in its movies and its TV shows. Obviously, this is the first Black Mirror movie, but like... For the average viewer, they're not going to understand that what Black Mirror is all about, and that's unfortunate. So setting aside its, I guess, lack of perceived Black Mirror-ness as a narrative, you know, how did you find Bandersnatch? Were you, were you impressed by it? Did you think it was a good story? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I think for a first time in this sort of setting, I think it was a great choice. It's definitely a very niche choice of of a movie script you know like a video game developer trying to make a a video game it's definitely catering to a very I don't want to say nerdy because I'm nerdy and nerdy is cool but like a very nerdy audience right like you kind of have to really like this type of dystopian weird sci-fi nature of or, or fantasy nature of films to really appreciate the content um i really liked the acting i thought the editing was awesome i thought the user interface was actually really interesting and it was so seamless like any option you picked it just kind of went into the next scene and i thought whoever or however the developers edited the film was just it was just done so seamless and what device did you play it on um, I watched it on my Mac, on, on my Apple, Mac, okay. yeah. So, like, I know that there were some issues with Apple TV, right? Yeah, it didn't, so it doesn't work on the Apple TV, mm-hmm. Chromecast, I believe, um, and then 
I, I watched it on the Xbox. One. Yeah. So what was really cool was when the decisions would come up, you would feel the controller vibrate. Oh no! So way. I also played it on the like, Xbox okay, One. It was great. You yeah, got to yeah. pay attention. You know That's something's really coming cool. up. That's really cool. That's cool. Um, and I, I really thought that was. Did that, that change cool. your? Did that change your experience? Because like for me, I was sitting at like a couch potato, just like watching this on. Uh, I think maybe because I, I would like forget that I was it was a choose your own adventure mm-hmm. thing right um, so I think it kind of pulled me back into oh wait I need to make these mm-hmm. decisions to push the story forward um, I don't think it changed it significantly but it was definitely like a nice touch I didn't mm-hmm. expect it I thought that these things were just going to appear on the screen and I was going to pick left or yeah, right yeah, or whatever yeah. um, so it was a nice little reminder to pull me back into it I did do some spoilers I, I'm not going to ruin a lot of it for, for our listeners because I don't know who's listened to it I'm assuming most of our listeners have listened or have watched it oh but... surely this is a spoilers cast <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can see the way that we treated okay. Infinity War I think, my goodness. I think if you're, you're, okay. you're listening to a viewer experience um, about something like this you have to okay kind of okay so, spoilers, so I'm so not I'm not have at it whatever um, so I did do some research um, afterwards and I learned that the entire runtime of the of the movie is five hours in change and then oh really yeah it's five hours long and then um there there was also like one article that said that if you uh want to pick the correct options etc it will the movie will be about an hour and 20 minutes long like if you have the proper end result um the shortest viewing time is 90 minutes long Sorry, not 90 minutes. Is it 90 minutes? Um, I'm wrong. I could be wrong. It's probably closer to 45, 60. Yeah, I think 45. That's, that's the one where if you just... So it, what you can do in, in the game, in the movie, is you can literally just select all of the options that get the game Bandersnatch made as quickly as possible. Like, so, that, you know, the kid takes the medication. He tells... He opens up to the therapist right away. He yeah. does... He yells at his father, but he apologizes, so on and so forth. He doesn't kill his father in the good one. And it's super quick, but ultimately what happens is you get like a two and a half star... Exactly. Of, you know, ending. Being exactly. like... The horrible, super rushed. The horrible video game review. <laughs> I, I freaking hate <laughs> him. Oh my God. I just, actually it was funny because that's what made me want to play the game over and over again. Cause I just, it was probably my inability to receive a shitty response. Sorry. Am I allowed to say yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point is that like, he kept saying, Oh, this is not a great game. And I was like, I hate you reviewer. <laughs> like shut How up. How much did you hate him when he got the five stars and all he said was yes, yes. And yes. Yeah. Fantastic game all around. <laughs> that was Wonderful. his review. With, like, nothing else. How much, like, did you hate him more? Did you He's hate him so less? so dumb. I was like, what the heck? Like, seriously. He's anyway. wearing a bow tie, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, part of why 70s, no, 80s, 80s bow tie <laughs> yeah. stuff. Just the, the long, long jacket, the long pants, the, the long hair. The kid looks like he's, you know, seven, but I think he might be 21. I don't know. <laughs> so, Patrick, I want to I wanna jump back in and, and, and point out something that uh, Shruti said about, you know, nerdy. So speaking of nerdy, as one of Mobile Syrup's, I suppose, resident video game experts, I was wondering if maybe you could speak a little bit to your enjoyment or rather lack thereof or experience with the video game aspects or quote unquote video game aspects of Bandersnatch. Uh, I mean, I thought the whole experience was pretty cool. For me, it was very much a dream come true. This is something that I've always wanted to exist. I'm glad that it finally does. Really? Yeah. I, I grew up <laughs> reading, like, choose-your-own-adventure books. Um, so it was cool to see this actually exist in the real world. But I think one of my main issues with it were some of the decisions that you made seemed pretty inconsequential. They didn't fundamentally change the story, or they didn't change the story in a way that I expected. Could you give some examples of those decisions? Oh, it's a tough one putting me like on the, the spot frost, there. Like the frost, like the cereal in yeah, the beginning. The, the cereal one, I think that was more like training you yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to figure it yeah. out. But still, um, so he, here's a good one, actually. When you're given the option to either build the video game in the studio or build it outside of the studio, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, obviously build it in the studio. He needs help. One guy can't make a game, even though that was a common thing in the 80s. This guy wants to give him a team. Obviously do that. That's great. Collaboration is a good thing. But no matter 
if you make that decision, the experience essentially ends in a way that maybe you didn't expect. Like you get a bad review. Yeah, you get that like what two and a half star rating. I but think. But also, like, did you notice that guy who was like trying to like his, who would have been his boss? He's like such a shady character. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> like, why would you want to work with him anyway? Exactly. I, I guess that's true. But I, I mean, I, I was trying to. I remember when I was a kid and I would read these books. I would like put myself in the place of the character and I'd make decisions that way because I think that's part of the fun of it. And that's something that stems from, like, video games, too. Like, Quantic Dream makes games like Heavy Rain. Detroit Become Human was one of the most recent ones. And the decisions in those games, even if they're inconsequential, they fundamentally change the story And I think, a much more significant way than what we saw in Bandersnatch. So I think that was the difference and what ultimately, what made me ultimately want more from it. So it's funny because on one hand, you know, we have Patrick saying that he didn't love Bandersnatch because it was not enough of a video game. And on the other hand, we have Shruti saying that she didn't necessarily love Bandersnatch because it wasn't enough of a movie. And now here I am jumping in saying, well, that makes perfect sense to me. So I I liked Bandersnatch. Um, I got over the, the lack of perceived black mirrorness uh, pretty quickly because for me, there's no such thing as like a black mirror story. It's pretty much just anything that, where technology makes someone's life worse. There were stories that got like super black mirror if you made yeah, the right decisions. Yeah. But you exactly. had to get on that path, exactly. and that was the only way to get to yeah, it. Well, so, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to, so yeah, so on the subject of those stories, definitely, that, that's what I mean. So like, there, there were Black Mirror-esque stuff. That wasn't the issue for me. For me, the issue was that it's it, it's a movie. 100% it's a movie. In the same way that, you know, choose your own adventure stories, novels or whatnot, they're novels. They're not, they're reliant on limited input. It's pretty much as much as the uh, the audience can think. What I think is interesting, though, is Patrick, you, you raised the point about how you sort of played the movie trying to do the good things at, in, in the start. And you were immediately told, no, that's or, not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed would, to do whatever gets the plot moving forward. So one one time when I played through it, I did that. And then in other ones, I would just do what I thought was cool. Like, yeah, you like, ask him if he should take the drugs. So I'm like, sure, take the drugs. Why not? Yeah, Be cool, yeah, man. Exactly. And then, like, it always ends in yeah. the exact same way when you make those specific decisions that you think maybe would have a completely different outcome. Um, I guess that's just the nature of the medium. And, like, that that's how choose-your-own-adventure things work. I guess I just thought that um, there would be, like, more gravity to the decisions. I also read somewhere, actually, that um, you didn't have to choose your adventures at all. Like, you could just let the movie play on its own. Would it make the decisions on its own? Yeah, so Netflix would make the decisions for you, but it would purposely screw up the decisions sometimes just so that you would have to go back and actually... And do them again. Do them again. Um, So I read something similar, but what I read was that it was a randomizer. So it wouldn't like... Yeah, so it it wasn't like it was playing, you know, in the player's favor or the viewer's favor or against the viewers. Literally just a matter of it's a coin toss. You know, at every single point there's a 50-50 shot and any programmer can write something like that. You just flip the coin and then, you know, boom, you select A or B, B or A. I mean, that is one way of playing the game as well, I guess. I played the game that way. So I, I should mention, I spent the better part of a Friday evening going through Bandersnatch, trying to get through pretty much every single ending. And uh, in the beginning, that's what I did. I did what uh, what Patrick sort of did, and I guess what, what you did as well, Shruti, and I imagine what a lot of players did, which is that they, you know, I tried my best to be a good person. I tried to, you know, make sure that... Oh, no, that... I, I, I didn't just always try to be... I, oh, I no. Did the, I sometimes did the bad. You kill, killed your dad right away. I did. I actually did. So that's, that's interesting. Why, are you, um, why that decision? Because um, I'm psychotic in the head. 
said. Okay, no, but like let, <laughs> beyond self-diagnosis. So, so I, I am curious about that because, again, what, what I often find is that in these situations, people try to do the thing that they think will advance the plot. And in a lot of these cases, you know, we assume that that's the, the, the good thing is, you know, you, you don't hurt your father. You, sure. you do take your medication. You do open up to the therapist about your mother's death. So why the decision to take matters into your own hands? So I'm, I'm kind of weird when it comes to these things. Like in a movie, I'll sometimes root for the bad guy just because I want to know what happens. I want to see like what would happen if he actually got away or he or she actually got away with murder or he actually he or she got away with um you know doing the psychotic thing i think that's just my own fascination with with the dark side of things um so i i and because i wouldn't do that in my in the real world i wouldn't like go and just go and kill like six people on the, on a streetcar in toronto like i wouldn't do that because that's not normal um but someone who is psychotic and can get away with being psychotic would do something like that and um so yeah, like actually when I had the option of doing something bad, I was like, you know what? I wouldn't normally do this in my in the real world. I actually want to know what would happen if he screwed up and did the bad option. So in a way, and again, Fred, you mentioned that you didn't really read a lot of the marketing materials. You didn't buy into that. You, you sort of went into it a little blind. Patrick, did you have a chance to you know look at the trailers or maybe uh, read anything, any reviews before, I guess, playing the movie? I mean, I watched, I watched the, the trailer and I knew that it was coming out. I didn't know much about it beyond the fact that it was a choose-your-own-adventure experience and that it was based on one of the earlier uh, episodes of Black Mirror. But beyond that, I went into it pretty dark. And the reason that I'm asking about the marketing and the trailers and all the you know the media surrounding the media is, do you guys feel like you were promised something that Netflix or Charlie Brooker or Black Mirror as a series delivered on or didn't deliver on? I think the only thing was that Again, like this goes back to my whole thing of like it being as black mirror-y as possible. I think that was just my my thing in my head. Like I I obviously with the Black Mirror series, you don't have to watch season one. It's not like a continuous thing. Each episode is like a story of, of its own. Um so I actually started with season three and made made my way backwards when I started watching the show. And that's what really transfixed me in the show. I just thought it was so unique and different and very plausible and realistic. So that was sort of the element that I had when, you know, when season four came out, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, another Black Mirror series. Like, this is going to be awesome. And actually, a lot of people who are huge Black Mirror fans didn't like season four, if you remember. They thought that it wasn't as, quote, Black Mirror-y as it could be. But nevertheless, like, I still was so excited because I was like, this is so incredible. This is going to be like a longer TV show episode. It's going to be a movie that I'm going to get what I want want out of the show I'm so excited and so that was sort of the only thing that was promised that was the only promise that I expected of the show that or the movie that it was going to have that black mirror element and like I'm not saying that it didn't it did it just wasn't to the level that I wanted it to be so what I'm hearing is that it was it wasn't wasn't black mirror enough it sort of wasn't enough of a video game and it wasn't enough of a movie yeah basically it was shit no I'm just kidding <laughs> well no because like, I am I am I am curious about that because here's the thing I agree with pretty much everything you know we've discussed and everything we've said so far and I, I agree that you know I would have liked it to be more quote black mirror I would have liked it to be both more of a video game and more of a movie but leaving the experience having spent I wouldn't 
say five hours i would say maybe four i think that's roughly what i spent with it yeah having having spent those four hours i enjoyed myself which is strange because you'd think that again i wouldn't what about you guys did you guys enjoy yourselves i thought it was fun i mean i i think it was an experiment on netflix's part i hope they do more of this Mm -hmm. i think it's the start of something cool absolutely i think what i was getting at before with like some of the decisions uh being seemingly inconsequential like a good example of that was uh, when you have the choice uh, as to whether to take, I think it's LSD or something he's giving him. Yeah, it's acid. Some, or acid or whatever. Well, no, no. So at, at first, I can't remember. He No, he gets high with the weed first, then he takes the acid? Yeah, so he gets it, yeah, but you don't yeah. have a decision about the weed. Yeah, yeah. The weed, he, he takes on his own. He, he wants just does it on his yeah. own because he's like, yeah, I'm down. I'm cool. Well, it's like the 80s, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then, like, I was like, okay, I don't think I want to do acid with this guy. I don't know. So I said no. But then he puts it in your coffee. Yeah. So it's he like spikes your drink anyway. The the illusion of it's like an illusion of choice. You know what I mean? I think that was the only thing that uh, I didn't expect. I thought that my decisions would actually fundamentally change what was going to happen, and it did in a lot of cases. But then then there were certain things like that, for example, where like. I thought it would totally change the story because I didn't take acid, but then the movie gives me acid anyways. It's so funny, though, but that you say that. That kind of reminds me of life in general. <laughs> like, it's super existential to say, but, yeah. like, if you skip death, like, once, there's all, you're going to face it one another time. Like, let's say you, you didn't get hit by a car the first time you were crossing the road. It's very possible that fate comes at you, and then you have to get you have to die anyways, and it's somehow you die. So it's, it's a really terrible example that I'm using, but, like, I think no, that... No, I know what you mean. Like, it's that whole idea of, like, fate coming at you, even whether you make that choice or not, like... And I think that was, like, you were talking about how there wasn't a lot of Black Mirror in it. I think that was the overarching goal of this was that, and that's, like, the Black Mirror aspect of the experience. That's that's true, yeah. I don't think that's, like, the best way to execute it, <laughs> but I think that that's what they were, they were going for. <laughs> so, speaking of executions... I'm curious, Shruti, you dismembered the father right away? Or did you b- choose to bury him first? I dismembered him. Right away. Patrick, did you... Um, I, did, I, first of all, did you get to that? How long did it take you know, approximately to get to the point where, um, gosh, Finn Whitehead's character kills his father? Probably about an hour or something like that. It, it was on my first playthrough. Okay. Um, and I buried him. You buried him? Yes. Interesting. So, okay, we go back to... So Shruti is, is, is a psychopath, and that's completely fine. That's why she I'm decided totally okay to with that. whip out the kitchen knife. <laughs> but Patrick, why the decision to bury the father? Was it once again you trying to do the good thing? You trying to do the thing that you think would, would advance the plot? Or yeah, I, I are mean, you also secretly a psychopath? <laughs> yeah, I'm also secret. No, I, I think... I think it was, again, like me putting myself in that position. Like, what would I do? I, I wouldn't be able to dismember someone. How would I get rid of a body? So I was like, I'll, I would bury it. You obviously don't read enough serial killer books <laughs> or watch serial killer movies. So I highly recommend that. <laughs> I want to get back to a point that Shruti raised earlier, sort of, about how, you know, these kinds of stories give you a chance to, you know, look at the narrative that would have taken place if a character made a slightly different decision. As we've already established with the example of the LSD and also with the dismemberment and the burial, it sort of doesn't really matter what decision you make during these tense moments because eventually the story is going to circle back to whatever narrative path you're already on. So how do we feel about that? How do we feel about this this illusion of uh, choice? I almost wonder, like, how many more hours of tape would there be if you had that many options? Like, let's say, you, let's say you didn't take the LSD but you and and he never put it in the coffee cup it just ends he goes home and goes to sleep that's the end of it (laughs) wakes up a little hungry (laughs) but i mean right so it's like those options like how i guess like the the producers and the creators were like listen we need to have some sort of 
ending like that's like my practical thinking into this like there needs to be some sort of end to this and we need to somehow circle it back to a final end result to a movie because that's that's a movie at the end of the day right like you start somewhere you have a middle and then you have an end and it all circles back to that ending so like I think that's probably what it was I don't know if there were other options like how that would turn out would users like enjoy I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I, I don't know. I mean, it's something that video games do all the time, right? Like, there's choices that you make in a game like Beyond Two Souls from Quantic Dream where, like, the whole story changes when you make one decision. Um, but I think it's just the nature of the medium. Like, video games are a very different medium than movies. This is something that's never been done before. This is very much an experiment. I hope that they've kind of learned their lessons from this and will take that route in the future. But then there's also the argument that I was talking about before where that was the whole point of this was like fate is a thing that you can't escape. It doesn't matter what decisions you make. You always end up roughly down the same route. All right. Well, speaking of answers, what advice would you two have for newcomers to the title? What I, And I'm calling it a title now because I'm, I'm, I'm getting too tired of juggling in my brain whether I want to flip a coin and say movie or game. What uh, what piece of advice would you have for someone, you know, sitting down to play Bandersnatch? Get the ending where he takes the bunny on the train with him and he dies. <laughs> Just ruin the whole movie. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I think sometimes I thought far too much about the decisions that I was making because I was thinking ahead, like, oh, what would this affect? What would this affect? Kind of shut that off because in almost every decision you make, the movie goes in a direction that you probably didn't expect. So I think that's important when you're making those decisions. Like, don't think about them too much because it doesn't really matter because you have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, actually, I think I was saying this earlier to to you guys or someone else but like because there were so many decisions like I actually kind of felt like I was in a burrito shop like trying to pick out the toppings to make the right burrito (laughs) like I I just got so overwhelmed like this is why I I can only go to a burrito shop when I'm drunk because like like I can't it's the only way to make decisions it's the only way to make so maybe you heard us here folks maybe maybe get drunk and play Bandersnatch get drunk and play Bandersnatch and you'll end up with the same burrito (laughs) as everybody else exactly no no uh, in all seriousness like um, yeah I I actually would agree with Patrick I think that's the best advice to go with like don't overthink your decisions because like the first time I played I literally took like it took I, it took me like five minutes just to figure out whether I should pick Frosties or oh yeah that was me like I I didn't know yeah. <laughs> like I was like if I pick this one what totally. does that mean about me like but you know like it was just like <laughs> don't think about it and then when I went back to play through it again I would fast forward to the sections that I had already seen and I would just like instantly pick the decision like I wasn't thinking yeah. about it any yeah. anymore and I think that that in a sense is is the way to play it because yeah. like i said the decisions are not going to have the result that you expect for the most part i think there's a few probably mm. like you hit your dad over the head he's <laughs> probably gonna die but the, a lot of them just play out in, in in a way that um is very black mirror-esque yeah yeah totally agree so let's talk a little bit about our favorite endings who wants to go first and say what their favorite ending I was mean, duh killing the guy 
No, 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 no. That's not a duh. I'm sorry. Because if you kill the person, if you kill the father, there's still a ton of... Wait. Hold on. So there's two options to kill people. Are you talking about killing dum, 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 Colin or are you talking about killing the father? Father. Okay. I didn't do the Colin I didn't do the. Once. I didn't do the Colin one either. I was really tense in that situation, that moment, and I chose to kill Finn Whitehead's character. So myself, I effectively chose to commit suicide. And <laughs> when the he game, jumps and, off the... Yeah, when he jumps off the thing. Off the yeah. So I didn't, I didn't kill Colin on the first go. Oh, wait a second. No. I did kill him too, and then I got a bad rating on my video game. Yeah, yeah, because it was rushed. Yeah, 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 someone yeah. else had to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah There's yeah, another yeah. ending where like Colin comes to your door and you kill him too. Oh, well, I didn't get to that. Another one where no. you can kill Colin's girlfriend Kitty because she comes to the door. Yeah, I, I didn't get that. that. I didn't get that. I I killed Colin, which was again my psychopath nature. <laughs> so my favorite ending was the one where um, it's Colin's daughter kind of picks up the work of his. I think it's his daughter, correct? The almost true ending. Yeah, yeah. and it's like modern day, and she's. Picks yeah, up yeah. the game and she's working on it, trying to finish it. Um, and like, yeah, makes it like a better version or whatever. Yeah, but then it just like ends in the most perfect way possible. I think that's the most. So, Black Patrick, how does it end in the most perfect way possible? Oh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, okay, all right. That's, that's the one spoiler I won't <laughs> give up. Okay, so so we we are going to spoil the fact that the game ends and he gets a five star score, and the daughter of Colin decides to make a new version of Bandersnatch. However, we'll not tell you what happens in that version of the universe. Yeah, I do <laughs> want to rip my hair apart because of that version. But why is that? I don't know. It's just like I'm just like ah. I I don't know how to explain how I feel. Like I just I just want to rip my hair apart. That's all. That's all I can say. So then, what about the ending that you ch- selected? which was to, again, dismember the father. What about that didn't make you want to rip your hair out? I don't know. I killed the guy. Like, that's my biggest fantasy, like, to try and kill someone. <laughs> Just We're kidding. learning a lot about Shruti right now that is deeply, <laughs> deeply concerning. I really hope that, like, the cops don't listen to this and they're like, wow, this girl needs to go to, like, a psychotherapist or whatever. Protect and control. <laughs> Isn't that the, the thing from the movie, The Pack? Yeah, protect and yeah. control. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you're talking about how this sort of lets you fulfill your greatest desire is that is did i hear that right is that your number one that's what you no, want it's not okay. not world peace <laughs> i would be a terrible miss universe contestant i just thought it was like so intriguing to do the things that i would not normally do that all jokes aside i've never taken drugs in my life like i've smoked pot maybe once or twice i don't know am i allowed to say that it is legal in canada so like whatever but I've never actually done drugs just because I'm such a neurotic person already that I think I think that if I took drugs, I would go insane and I would probably have a cardiac arrest or something. So like to allow like actually like that be my option to al- to take the drugs voluntarily, like that was something intriguing to me. I was like, oh, I can do things on here that I wouldn't normally do. And that's kind of interesting. Like I can hack off and amputate like my dad I love my dad. He is a wonderful human being. <laughs> um, but, you know, to be able to do that, like, that's actually kind of interesting. Well, it's, like, it's escapism, right? Like, it's a thing that you do in, in video games, too, where there's moral decisions. Like, I don't always play the good guy in a video game. Sometimes I just walk in, like, Red Dead Redemption. I walk into a town and kill everybody I see just because I can, right? You're, you're doing things that you would never consider doing in the real world because it's... A fascinating experience yeah exactly and it's like you wouldn't normally go and like do those things because you like you have a moral what's the word that you said moral compass yes you have a moral compass exactly like i wouldn't voluntarily go and like hack off my dad's head because like 
I felt like it and I wanted my video game to succeed. Like, that's not something I would do. I have thought about it. Like, what would happen if I kill somebody? Like, how do I get away with it? Like, I watch all these murder shows. I I read all these things. And I'm like, how do these people get away with this stuff? Like, I don't get it. If it was me, I would literally be caught in like five minutes. Like, you just call the police. Yeah, like, would, Here, here's what it is. I would literally call the cops and be like, "Yo, I killed like six people. I'm really sorry. Just take me to jail." Like, I would, that's literally what I would do. <laughs> so I want to sort of you know head towards wrapping up this one segment by talking about the subject of immersion. Earlier, you both mentioned that this is an experiment on Netflix's part to sort of make interactive entertainment in that regard. I'm going to ask. It's a question, of course, that's existed since the dawn of the video game. You know, since since Pong. Do we think that interactive entertainment Entertainment is the future, and I'm not referring to video games because I think you know we we don't need to have the argument about video games being art or whether or not video games are here to stay. They are. That's just a fact. But what about the, the this increasing desire to make you know movies and TV shows more interactive? I think it's cool. Like it, it's in something that we haven't seen before. I don't think I'd want every movie out there to be interactive because, like Trudy was saying at the be- beginning of the podcast, like there were times where I just wanted to sit back and watch it and enjoy it, right? Um, Like, I watch movies for a reason. It's kind of to to veg out and enjoy the experience and not have any control over it. But I do think there's a place for things like Bandersnatch. I don't know what other, like, genre of film or or television that it would really work in. a serial killer movie. That would be cool, but... Wait, so uh, hold on. In Trudy's universe, are you the serial killer watching yes. it? Or are you the person, are you like watching no, the serial killer? you become killer? the serial killer. You become the serial killer. All right. <laughs> I think I think Trudy knows what she wants. <laughs> no, um, no I, I, I agree with Patrick. Like, I, like, take Miss Congeniality, for example. Like, I wouldn't want to do, like, pick my own um, story options for that movie because that movie is made for someone to just sit on the couch watch Sandra Bullock be silly and cool and, you know, enjoy the experience at the end of it. I definitely think that there's a market for this. Um, I don't think that it's, this is going to be the first and only movie. Like, I think there's definitely going to be other movies out there. And I think this was a great time to introduce this type of concept. Um, You know, we have the technology now to seamlessly make these kind of movies. And I think Netflix has really done a great job by partnering with, the right production group or I guess um, the, the right the right movie like I think doing it with Black Mirror in the first one is like so smart because you would think that something like this would happen in Black Mirror like this is something that is that's very very Black Mirror I know I know that's kind of going against what I said but like in terms of experimenting for this kind of genre. Well, that sort of leads us into our next segment that I like to call Netflix Wants to Choose Away Your Choice. Now, believe it or not, writing choose-your-own-adventure novels isn't just a matter of stringing together one or two options a few times here and there. Really, it's more like stringing together a short story's worth of options in just a few segments, a few pages, doing away with multiple possibilities, all while providing the illusion that every narrative thread leads to a narrative web of options. At least, that's according to... Mike McDonald. I am the co-author of the Choose Your Own Misery series of books. Uh, I'm also a freelance writer living in Toronto. Mike said he got into writing Choose Your Own Adventure novels after working as a journalist. I, I guess the very first job I had from grad school was I worked at The Onion writing satirical news. Um, I did an editorial internship in the New York offices for six months, and then I got a writing job, uh, which lasted for... Uh, about four years on and off. So I was pretty used to writing humorous, satirical content. Started up a website in Canada that um, went under. It was also satirical, lasted for about two years. 
did a little television show on uh, Rogers, which lasted for about a year. And then I was looking for a job, I guess, and I just wanted to write more. I wanted to write slice of life pieces, you know, fun stuff, a little politics, a little news as well. So Post Media offered me an opportunity doing that. Um, they're sort of trying to formulate a new young team. I guess that's why they brought on myself as well as Patrick and a few other people. Uh, who have since gone on to great things, you know, over at CBC and a few other prominent uh, publications throughout Canada. After Post Media, I left to work in uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania as a journalist, and there wasn't much to do in the evenings. So I had this idea for this book, uh, Choose Your Own Misery, The Office, and it's sort of like a take on working at Post Media because it's such a horrific experience in many respects. You know, big newspaper company, uh, people getting fired left, right, and center, no way forward, you know, like no job stability whatsoever. We'd say to people on Friday, you know, see you on Monday, God willing, um, just kind of like a toxic atmosphere, as you'd expect from a company that's tied to a newspaper. So I brought in my friend, uh, Julie Ganyu, who uh, wrote for The Onion as well, and a number of other publications down south in the United States. And we started working on this idea of uh, an office drone, basically trying to make it through the course of a day but can't, you know, at every turn, uh, the book doesn't end well. Uh, and we thought, why not just call it choose your own misery rather than, you know, uh, a choose your own adventure type of book. Uh, the conceit would be that you just constantly lose or get rewritten back to the beginning, like Groundhog Day, the Bill Murray movie where you have to play it over again and again and again, and it's sort of unrelenting in its defeat. So, uh, we started writing the book when I was over there, um, in Tanzania and I was using like a internet stick to connect with my friend, uh, Chile to send emails. It was like a horribly inefficient process. But after Tanzania, I went off to Australia where internet was much, much better. We wrote up a proposal for the pages that we had, got a literary agent, and then signed a deal to write three books. He also said that writing a choose-your-own-adventure novel is a time-consuming process, even if it only consumes a few hours every day. The books are so like stupid and like whimsical at times, you'd think it would be pretty straightforward. But continuity um, and characters and their decisions, what they're doing, you know, like it all has to add up if the book is to make any sense whatsoever. So it is difficult. Um, So I guess the first thing that you do is you just talk about general ideas and you'll take a few notes down. And then we got a a piece of software called Gliffy. I think Google has now since got um, a similar sort of piece of software where you can just map like... um, squares or, or circles and you can start attaching them. So what we would do, we, we, we thought of like for the office book, you know, you wake up, you're kind of hung over, the alarm's going off. What do you want to do? Do you want to hit the alarm and get an extra 15 minutes of sleep or do you want to get up and start your day? So that was the first choice point. So we would write, you know, a, a page of notes on what that's going to look like. And then we would boil that all down to one sentence and we plot it in Gliffy. So that was our first little choice. And then you've got so that would be labeled like 1A, and then you'd have 2A, 2B. That's the next row down. And these things would keep dividing as you go. We also have something called a mirror node, wherein you could get pushed in a direction that is very similar to something that you've already read. Maybe the dialogue's only changed a little bit, but then it shoots you off in another direction altogether. So it is difficult. Like when we when we write, we would write so like one A, two A, three A, whatever, like in order basically. And then we'd write the next section and the next section, and then you revise and you edit and you reread it. And then with the publisher, it's really difficult. We had somebody at Diversion Books 
going over every story track possible, you know, like reading book and flipping through the pages to make sure that the continuity would make sense. So it's a long process. I mean, like just the notes on the first book probably would have been a few hundred pages. And those are the notes that inform all the writing. They tell you exactly what beats you have to hit, what's already happened, what's going to happen, all the characters in the scene. So it's a really good reference point that we would use before we started writing the dialogue uh, just to keep us on track. But like the book was planned out in its entirety. Uh, I think we had 500 different nodes, give or take. And all those nodes were planned out beforehand before we did any of the you know actual writing for the book. I would say like the process of planning probably took maybe three or four months, meeting up for an hour or two each day and just making sure that everything was in place before we started writing. Because I mean, if there's a pagination mistake or if there's a mistake with continuity, it sort of ruins the entire book. I was curious about the similarities between choose-your-own-adventure novels and a medium like video games, so I asked Mike to expand on how he guaranteed quality control, as well as how he and his co-writing partner dealt with feedback. So we would hyperlink, like in a Google Doc, the, the whole book. We wrote the whole book in a Google Doc, and we would hyperlink everything so that when you click the option, it should go to the next page. Um, so that's one way to make things a little bit easier rather than physically having to go through all the pages. There's three books and to my knowledge, there's, there's one mistake with regards to pagination, which I don't think was on our end. Unfortunately, I think there was an issue with the, the uh, publication of that page at the publishers. That was, that was, you know, deeply frustrating to come across, but I mean, these things do happen with so many different choices. I could imagine it's difficult to put it all together on the production side of things. We also had situations wherein, you know, the conceit of the whole book, again, is that everything is kind of miserable and you're going to lose and there's no way to possibly win. But we would have cheat pages inserted in the middle of the book uh, where everything works out well and you're happy and you're in a great, you know, relationship and you're gainfully employed, but you couldn't actually get to those pages. With that, we would just let the publisher kind of insert that page wherever they felt like they wanted to. Ideally, I would have liked to have seen with the physical book, there being the choice being separated further. So it required a little more flipping. I think they kind of follow a little too closely after one another. We're actually writing a fourth book right now called Choose Your Own Misery Weddings. So where we're talking about, you know, the horrors and pitfalls of modern day wedding. And hopefully we'll have a little bit more flippability with regards to that book. We had uh, our literary agents in the United States, as well as her team, look over everything to make sure that it made sense. We had the publishers doing that. I was doing that. Uh, Julie was doing that. In terms of notes, though, in terms of like this could be improved upon, that could be improved upon. I mean, really, there's not a lot you can say, because if you take out one section of the book, you're going to screw up basically everything. So there's a lot of trust, I guess, on the publisher's part to make sure that you're doing it right. There was like a few in the most recent book that came out this year, um, a few months back, there was a few, it was about online dating, a, a few notes that were like a little too sexual, perhaps, that the publisher wasn't too keen on. And we just called them. And luckily, they were sort of like end nodes where the book would normally end. So we just made it end a little bit earlier. But I mean, like, you know, you spend maybe like a year of your life. Uh, not as a full-time job, but, you know, one or two hours a day, almost every single day working on this sort of thing. And if we had to, you know, gut parts of the book and start again, that would have been deeply problematic. I mean, we, for the book proposal, we did offer the spreadsheet in full uh, with the notes. So we gave them a sense of what was going to happen. And we gave them a sense of, you know, tone and sort of the dark humor that we wanted to try to write with. 
So they sort of signed off onto that. And then, you know, maybe a few minor tweaks here and there, but like really once you get started on the process, unless you always want to have people come in and overlook they sort of have to trust that you're doing, you know, what you said you would do. I was also curious about whether or not Mike is ever concerned about readers or players not necessarily wanting to go along with a book's decision tree. Looking at The Onion, I would write maybe like 40 jokes a week and maybe one would get published, sometimes none. I mean, we were trying to do things that were similar, that were just like original and unique. And like, like I said, it kind of all started off with like, do you want to hit your alarm clock or do you want to, um, you know, wake up and start the day? But the choices became, I guess, much more absurd and, and weird as we went on. And like the one we're running right now, we're involving, you know, Alex Jones. We've got the novelist Dan Brown starting a, a cult that is like a front for corporate espionage, like super kind of like esoteric outside of the box choices. So I think like from the onset, I, I, I would hope that people wouldn't necessarily think of the choices as being obvious choices. Hopefully the choices will be fun for them and they'll take whichever one is the most fun. And then with regards to people disagreeing with like the choices, I'm sure that does happen. Maybe perhaps they put down the book and they stop reading, which would suck. I've done a bunch of book readings. I did a, a book reading at Kobo here in Toronto in front of their entire office. And I found like, I'm pretty like introverted and fairly shy. And I, God knows I'm not a stand-up comedian. But I was in front of, you know, a few hundred people asking them where they wanted to go in the book, you know, for the choice points. And more times than not, people would always go for, you know, the filthier, darker option. Uh, and that sort of has informed a little bit of the newer books going forward. But yeah, I guess like, I guess if you don't like the options, you could always just go back and then take another choice point. I mean, like, I'm not sure about you, but when I read these books as a kid, the Choose Your Own Adventure books, I kind of have like my thumb stuck in the previous passage just so that if it didn't work out, I could flip back and fix up my decisions. Finally, Mike offered some insight into what might come next for Choose Your Own Adventure narratives. When the first book came out, there was we sold the audio rights to a company and then sold the audio rights again to another company. I think we didn't anticipate the medium or like, I guess rather the genre to be as popular as it has been. And I would imagine that a lot of content will be a lot more interactive going forward. And I think, you know, just like by and large with books, I'm sort of pseudo friends with other people that write, choose your own narrative books. And I wouldn't anticipate a few more of those to be coming up, you know, going forward, just because they are very easy to read. That was Mike McDonald, an author of Choose Your Own Adventure Stories. And that's it for this week's episode of Viewer Experience. Before we go, we'd like to remind you that Mobile Syrup's flagship podcast, The Syrupcast, is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and pretty much every podcasting app out there. Patrick, Shruti, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and also on mobilesyrup.com where I will be primarily writing about USB-C dongles. <laughs> I said that straight face because like, I'm pretty sure the listeners will be like, is he joking or is he not? No, he's, he's serious, guys. Uh, you can find me at uh, Twitter at Trudy underscore Shakar, and you can find me on Mobile Serbs webpage. I write about CRTC, telecom, privacy, security, and sometimes other random things. You can find me at Samir Chabra 94 and you can also, of course, find me on MobileSyrup.com. You can find Mobile Syrup at Mobile Syrup on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, feel free to send us any movies or television shows you'd like us to discuss on future episodes. If you've got subject or issue ideas, feel free to send those along as well. 
Thanks for tuning in. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 